Hey, good morning. So uh, great to have you here, and uh, we're excited to be walking through. Uh, we're in a series called On Your Mark, Get Set. Right, and we're preparing for moving into this building. You just heard about the grand opening, 1111, and, and, uh, please hear me. I've said it over and over and over. It's just not about brick and mortar. It's about hearts and lives. It's about God making transformation in all of us that we might better glorify Him. And, and, uh, but it's nice when we have a place where we don't have to get kicked out every once in a while. You know what I mean? So uh, to God be the glory. We're excited about going into this new home and, and uh, being prepared for all the new that might be coming with it. And today we have a challenge. The challenge is this. Prepare for holiness. Prepare to be holy. And so I'm just going to get right to it. Ushers, let's just have you come forward. If anybody needs a Bible, just raise your hand. We're going to walk through his word that God might teach us. Just raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to the end. And we're talking about preparing to be holy. We have a huge task ahead of us today. And it's this. We come to church and we expect to be told to be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to church today and they told me to just do whatever I want and sin. It was an amazing day. Do we ever hear that? Right? No. We come to church, we expect to hear a challenge of goodness in whatever way, shape, and form that might look. And so, today's a day where you need to kind of stop and shake it off and get ready to hear fresh. Look, I'm not saying anything brand new to you. And there might be some unique way that God's word strikes you. And there might be some phrase that guts you today. And praise God for that. But I'm telling you, in the moment, we're walking through something that's fairly basic. And yet absolutely not grasped by us every day of our lives. This has been a huge week for me this week, going through this passage. Wrestling with it and saying, Lord, what do you have for us? And Lord, help us to be on fire for you. So hear me, please. We need to dive into his word today saying, I'm ready and I'm expectant, Lord. Teach me what you'd have me to know about holiness. So as usual, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to go after holiness his way? Are you ready? All right, let's go after it. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 14. So uh, what's it look like to be holy? What's it look like to mirror God's character, to match his character? That's what holiness is, is matching his character. And so we'll start with point number one. Ensure that your conversations are God honoring and scripture based. Ensure your conversations are God-honoring and Scripture-based. We're going to start with words. When we talk about holiness, it starts with our lips in this passage. And so Paul says, as he's writing here to Timothy, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Okay? Remind them of these things like you've heard this before, right? What I just got done saying you've heard this before It's important that you continue to think on it. Remember what you've already heard Remind them of these things 
This body had been challenged already with this, and yet Paul was saying, get it to him again. Gee, I wonder why that would be. Probably because they weren't getting it, right? And how often do we know the right walk, and yet we don't walk the right walk? And remind them of these things. And charge them before God. Charge them. This word is huge. It it means to passionately direct. It means to give stern warning. Charge them. If you notice, there's a little bit of a different feel to my open this morning. We're starting with a charge. We're starting with a call that God might get the greater glory in our lives. Deep breath. Here comes the charge. He says, notice it's before God. Hey, look, God exists everywhere. So it's not like go to the place where God is and then stand there and take the charge. It's like wherever you are and whatever is going on, get ready that God might get the greater glory standing before God, meaning you're aware of him and you want to honor him before him. Here's the thing you should do. Uh, Do not quarrel about words. It does no good. It only ruins the hearer. Do not quarrel about words. Do not bicker. Do not wrestle with each other. Uh, Do not go back and forth causing confusion as you challenge each other about simple words. It's a battling. It's a wrangling of this phrase. Well, I think. Are you hearing me? Like the source of my truth is me. Well, I think, dot, dot, dot. Be careful. That's the beginning of war zone. Because the next person's bound to have a, well, I think too. And then you got to work it all out. You know what I'm saying? How about if we just go to, well, what does God think? And what's the scripture say about that? And be careful. There's a quarreling of words that comes up when we make ourselves the authority. Hey, we're in a society today that talks all about uh, relativism. Uh, it's all about you, man. Just go where you want to go. Be who you want to be. And, and, and really, here's what they're teaching. Uh, what do you think? And, uh-oh. Well, as we start to stand up and say, I think, we really are setting up this place to be a quarreling of words. Be cautious. Uh, it is what does God think that needs to come first and foremost in our lives. All right? What does God think? Notice it says that it does no good. It means uh, it does uh, no good. It doesn't need to be restated. It does how much good? No good. Please be careful. The bickering and the quarreling, the I've studied 16 theologies today, and, and I've got a position that I'd like to challenge you on, and have you considered the, I know the Bible doesn't talk about this, but let's extend beyond and into, and, and what if, and do you think maybe, and... And be careful with that. The quarreling of words can destroy a body. In fact, it says it ruins the hearer. How does it ruin them? Uh, confusion. Really? I didn't think that's how it worked. If that's how it works, then what about... Right? Confusion can come from it. Or anger. How dare you say that? Or fear. If that's true, then... Right? It just ruins the listener. They're stuck in tough spots and they have to make some big decisions. It does not reveal God's glory. It tries to show man off. The quarreling of words. It can be a nasty moment in our lives. 
be cautious about it. It says, do not do that, the quarreling of words, but what should we do then? He says, uh, do this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Do your best. That means leave nothing on the table. That means I'm so spent for Christ today. Right? That means like I'm going after it with all I've got. There is nothing held back. Nothing. That's where I'm at. Do your best today to be one approved of God. Approved. You know, like where God looks at you and goes, boy, Way to go. That's my girl. Like that's what we're talking about. God grasps where your heart is and he longs for you to be right next to him and he sees great things happening. Do your best. Hey, well, what does it mean, do your best? It sounds like I'm doing a lot of work here and, and you know, we say don't muscle it and, and so what's the difference? And so hear me on this. This is not humanism. Hey, really go after just trying to be a better person. I don't know. Write down some lists of things that would be good and, and just try to do those. And then write down some things that are bad and try not to do those. And like that's humanism. The world's got that same thing. So, so what's Christ got? This is what he's saying. Holy Spirit takes up residence. God rocks your world. He literally transforms you from one degree of glory to another. Second Corinthians chapter three. Let God's power be the source of change. You have a job. Cooperation. That's your job. And anytime scripture challenges you to do, you better hear that is at best cooperation. God doing the divine work. Otherwise, you're standing in heaven boasting. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? Like, I got here because I did these things. How about you? And that's not what it's about. Lord, you're empowering me. You're transforming me. And so let God work. Do your best to let him have his way with you. And to step in where he'd have you to step. It says a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Uh, Just a little biblical counseling moment here. The word shame. Shame is kind of, that's an emotional feeling that you have. Shame. Guilt. That is not. Okay, how many times have you heard somebody say, I feel guilty. Right? And, and, or the famous quote, oh great, now I have guilt. Right? Have you heard that quote before? I think it was Toy Story, wasn't it? Oh, great. Now I have guilt. Right? No, actually, guilt is something you have the moment you did the action wrong. It means you stand before God in the wrong, guilty. Okay? Shame, that's what comes when you finally recognize your guilt, your shortcoming. Okay? Big difference. He says, you will not stand ashamed. In other words, there is not a guilty position you're standing in. You are washed clean. God has done his work. You stand before him forgiven. And there is no reason to be shamed because now you are running with him with all you've got. To God be the glory. You've done your best. Well, how in the world do we get to that position? Yeah, glad you asked. Rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling the word of truth. This is actually a term that means it's like craftsmen working. And and it says you've cut a straight line using the word of God. That's what it means. Rightly handling. It means cutting a straight line. That you've done a craftsman's job of taking the tool of God's word and applying it to your life. That God might give you clarity on where you need to walk. Hey, I'm not sure what I should be doing. Dig into his word. Hey, I'm not sure where I should be going. Well, heads up, there's going to be a pretty good list given today. 
Okay, he really goes into it well in this passage and makes it clear what we should be going after. And so make sure that we rightly handle the word of truth and we present ourselves, therefore, as approved before God. Hey, you follow his word and no shocker. That's exactly where God wanted you to be. Okay, rightly handling the word of truth. Okay, so that was a positive back to the negative. It's like we're playing tennis here, right? But avoid irreverent babble. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Avoid. Avoid means like never, ever, ever, ever. Avoid. Like never, ever have irreverent babble. All right? So irreverent, like disrespectful and babble. It was a waste of words and energy. You shouldn't have even put it on your lips. Irreverent babble. Just talking so that people can hear you. Sharing so that they might grasp how brilliant you are. Careful, it's easy to be sitting at Chili's over some chips and salsa and want to begin to have a little bit of conversation and we think, why not? We'll explore the intellectual. And so we begin to have little, hey, what do you think of? And all of a sudden we're getting into Concepts and concerns that quite frankly scripture hasn't decided to make clear God has not revealed to us And so now we're trying to pontificate beyond the almighty Over chips and salsa Avoid that That's what he's saying I added the chips and salsa But he said avoid that Right Be careful of where you're going And what you're talking about Talk about the blunt and the plain and the obvious of Scripture. And, well, if it's plain, what do I need to talk about? It's not meant to be mental gyrations and musings. Talk about how God's gutting you and getting there. Are you hearing it? Transparency. It'll change you from the inside out. It says that it leads people into more and more ungodliness. That's where you go when you're afraid and confused. When you don't know what's going on, when you've heard things you don't like or you don't get, all of a sudden you start responding with sinfulness. And that's our ungodly response. Be careful. You might be dragging the other party down as you try to lift yourself up. That's his warning. He says that it's talk that brings gangrene. It spreads like gangrene. Now, we're going to talk about this illustration in just a moment, but just know this. That's a nasty disease. You know what I'm talking about? This, let's just put it simply. When the disease that's in the bad flesh is eating away the good flesh and it's leaving no flesh, gangrene. Okay? Watch out. Your words can destroy you or others or the body like gangrene. It says among them, or Hymenaeus and Philetus. Man, it'd be awesome to have your name in the Bible, wouldn't it? Not like this, man. You know what I'm saying? This is a bad moment. This is a letter to Timothy, and they read these letters out loud to the body. You know what I mean? And they're beginning to read, and he's getting through this, and i got to believe at the moment he's talking about conversation, there's a few that are getting a pit in their stomach. And then he says, I have a few examples, like Hymenaeus and Philetus. And you see the guys just kind of shrinking in their chair. Oh, man, we're getting called out. And these guys were responsible for a very specific example of irreverent babble. It says, who have swerved from the truth, not interested in what God was teaching them, saying that the resurrection had already happened. 
The resurrection had already happened and they were upsetting some of the faith. The resurrection had happened. Now, we're not exactly sure what this means. Uh, there's a physical resurrection that's spoken of in Scripture, right? We see that in the end in Revelation 19 through 22. There's also a spiritual uh, resurrection that occurs, and, and we see some of that going on in 1 Thessalonians 4 along with a physical resurrection there. And, and so what is he talking about, and what exactly, which resurrection? And we're not exactly sure, but I can tell you this. Somehow, Hymenaeus and Philetus were walking around saying this. Hey, you know that resurrection thing? Yeah. I know the inside scoop. It already happened. Like it's done. It happened in the past and it's over. Well, well then what does that mean for now? Right. What do you mean right? Like if it happened, then what? And I'm just telling you it happened. Well, then has God left me alone? And where am I in this whole thing? And... Right? Are you hearing it? There's a confusion that's coming because the grasping they had was after the resurrection comes glory and perfection and face to face with the Almighty. And I'm still sitting here in dusty Israel and what's going on? Where's my king? And I'm confused. Some were upset in their faith. Be careful as you pontificate your next theological position. Please make sure that you have extreme scripture to back where you're stating and you're just saying, thus saith the Lord, and you read the word of God and it makes your position clear. Uh, hear me. I don't know if you notice this, but I don't preach theology up here. I want to be careful how I say that, but I preach the word, right? Theology is kind of the man's all, all inclusive arms around. I tried to make sense of everything and I systematized it and put it together and, and there's titles even over those, right? You've heard they end with isms and, and right? And, and I'm not preaching those. Like today we're talking about such and such an ism. We're not doing that. Today we're talking about 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 to 26. You know what I'm saying? And so we're being careful here. Does it build up theology? Yes. Do I love theology? Yes. It absolutely is an important piece of your life to build together who God is. But hear me, please lean hard when Scripture says exactly what it is. And lean gentle at best when you've tried to connect the dots. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that clear enough? I need a lot of heads nodding. Is that clear enough? All right, good deal. Be careful where we go. I love the word of God. Lift it up with all you have. And where it's clear, let it be clear. And when God chose to not say much on it, hmm, maybe you should take his lead. Know what I'm saying? That's where we are. All right. So, you're upsetting the faith, Hymenaeus and Philetus. I wonder if they went and tried to change their names after that. I don't know. Just came to me there. So it says, uh, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. Notice firm foundation, that's in opposition to the word upsetting. Uh, there's words you can use that upset. There's words you can use that are rock solid. Use God's word. That's what it's saying. God said this, the Lord knows those who are his. Praise God, we are his sheep. He is the shepherd and he knows us. More than that, let everyone who names the name of the Lord... If you call yourself his sheep, then depart from iniquity. Please be done with using your lips to show yourself off 
Be done with bragging. Be done with sharing and pontificating. Be done with exploring the depths of things that cannot be answered this side of heaven. And even if you got to the other side, you're asking God, and you're like, so does it go like this? And then the almighty king of the universe begins to say, here's how it works. And you're like, ah, like, that's all I understood of what you said. I don't get my arms around the whole of what you just said. And right, that's because created creator. Right? And be careful. God's got a plan in everything. I'm not saying that knowledge is bad. I'm saying knowledge is awesome. The knowledge that he gives us to have. Have it with all you've got. All right? That's what it looks like. So uh, let me just say this. There's a fine line between being decisive and being divisive. Are you hearing me? A fine line between being decisive, like I know exactly what I think. I've dotted every I and crossed every T. And then being divisive. And you're ripping up the body. You're upsetting the faith. You're stirring those to confusion and fear and it's messing things up. Be careful. God spoke on a ton of things. And there's some he didn't speak on. Leave the stuff he didn't speak on to him. And be able to leave it there happily. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The things of, of God that are stunning mysteries. Keep them that way. And let God have his arms around it. All right? You know, teaching musings uh, is a sin. Teaching. Notice I emphasize that word. Teaching musings. Like, thus saith the Lord. When the Lord didn't say it, I said it. Teaching your musings is a sin. And that's gangrene. So here's a little description of gangrene. It's a death of the tissue due to a loss of healthy blood flow. Loss of healthy blood flow, and you begin to get a death on the tissue. In fact, the healthy flesh decays by disease. It's being eaten alive as the disease moves from the unhealthy flesh into the healthy flesh, continuing to kill the blood flow and leaving the tissue nasty. Nasty greens. And browns and wasting away. I pulled up a couple pictures and I was going to throw them up front. But this is a G and PG audience. You know what I'm saying? I looked at them and I'm like, that is disgusting. I couldn't even put it up on a picture on the screen. That's how bad it is. So use your mind's eye and then if it gets nasty, blame yourself. Ready? Green, brown, hard tissue that breaks away and flakes away in places even leaving just bone left you see flesh and then bone right below it and all you have is nasty disease running throughout that whole limb and the fix is amputation cut it off watch your words the only fix to that disease run rampant is cut it off gangrene holiness starts with our words remember out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so this is not a watch your lips this is a watch your heart call be careful where you place your thinking be careful where you place your passions it'll come out on your lips and it'll mess up the body all right so the challenge is simply this watch your words Watch your thoughts expressed. The deep musings of your soul will come out on your lips and they can derail people right where they stand. So my question is, are you, are you tearing down or are you lifting up? 
How's God using you? I mean, think of the people you interact with and are they hearing you question and challenge and wonder and why and or are they hearing you passionately celebrating and excited and, and, and challenging where God's already given us clear answer? Are you lifting up or are you tearing down? How are your words being used? It's time for you to walk centered on his word, not on self-logic. Okay? Done with the babbling that God might get the greater glory. So holiness, the first step, it starts with our words. Second, set yourself apart unto God, ready for every good work. Set yourself apart unto God, ready for every good work. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. In a great house, you know, in a mansion, in a massive wealthy home, i.e. like God's mansion, like that's what he's doing here. He's drawing a correlation, and this is a metaphor. He's saying God's got a massive home, a great home, a wealthy home. And in a wealthy home, well, there's some tools that are more honorable and some that are more dishonorable. And there's some that are really well-to-do. They're made out of gold and silver. And there's some that are more rustic and basic, and they're made out of wood and clay. And I did a little bit of reading about the culture this time just to try to understand this a little better. And the basic way I can say it is this. Um, there were tools that were used, and if they were made out of wood and clay, and they were used for the more basic things, or tended to touch things like the blood of an animal, that kind of thing, they would call those things dishonorable and set them aside. It would have been deplorable to bring those into the room and display them to the people eating with you. Okay, And so there's this combination of well-to-do and not well-to-do, of used for things that where it needs to be cleansed, and then used for things that are glorious and fine. Much like you bringing company over and you go and you get your fine china and pull it out, because you're going to use it for the second time since you've been married. <laughs> if that's anything like our home, we use it once a year whether we need to or not. Right? And uh, So, hey, the challenge here... It really comes in verse 21. I love the way it follows through. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Are you hearing this? So when God now transitions over to talking about you and me, he says this, there is dishonorable and there is honorable. But here's the beautiful answer. Dishonorable is not a position of life where you remain forever. You have a chance to come out of that. When? It says when you are cleansed. Be cleansed. Let God work in you. The glorious message of the gospel unleashed upon you is simply this. Hey, I might have been doing some things that were dishonorable. God may have been absolutely wronged by me. Others might be horrified by what I did. But here's the beauty. There is a chance for me to be cleansed. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said... That's what we're talking about. That's the story of the gospel message. Lord, may I be moving from dishonorable to honorable in my usage for you. I love you. And you are reaching out to me with all you've got. Whatever it was that I did wrong, it can be done at the cross. Here's my question for you today. What do you need to be letting go of? What needs to be cleansed that God might get the greater glory? What are you holding on to 
that's all about self, dishonorable. But you're about ready to become all about him. Honorable, gold and silver, that God might get the greater glory. Hey, there's sins that get each of us, and we each have our own tripping point. We each got our own thing that we tend to fall into based on our personalities and our weaknesses, and what's yours? Where do you fall, and are you ready to be done? Done with that. I'm talking like this afternoon when you normally would trip, you're going to be declaring victory. That's what I'm talking. Cleansed. Well, how do I be cleansed? Good question. So let's just answer it from the passage we went to a couple weeks ago on forgiveness. And we'll just say it this simply. Cleansed. Three steps. First, Lord, I apologize. Please forgive me specifically for this. I apologize. Bring it to him and release it before him. Lord, I'm done with that and I'm wrong for where I was. Second is repentance. Like that means your actions will now change. Lord, my position is that this was wrong. And so I am no longer going to be there. I'm heading this direction now. I reverse 180. Repent. I'm going the right way that God might get the greater glory. I am done living it that way. I'm now living it this way. That's apology and repentance. And then the last one is repay. Look, if there's any damages done for the mistakes you've made, for the sin you've committed, for the hurts you've um, followed through on, well, then maybe it's time for you to uh, step up and help pay for those. Okay? That's what it looks like to be cleansed. To stop and say, Lord, I recognize this. Ready? It's this simple. You are God and I am not. You have come to this earth and you've made a replacement payment available for me on the cross. Your shed blood. Please forgive me for what I've done wrong. And use your blood to cover me. Lord, I now want to be your child and follow after you. Cleansed. I'm going to run with you, Lord, and change direction. And whatever needs to be repaid. Thank God you offer the repayment through your shed blood. And if there's anything I can do to participate in that, Lord, may I do that, that you might be glorified, cleansed. It takes us from dishonorable to honorable. It takes us to an approved workman standing before our king that God might get the greater glory. We serve an amazing God. What a privilege. Notice it says there's a result of this. It says, set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. Set apart, holy, consecrated, you. Like God literally saying, I can use you where you are. I can see my glory reflected in you. Let's do some some great work for, for my name and for my kingdom. Let's bring this thing on, ready for good use. That's you. If you've cleansed, if you've stopped and taken time for him to change you from the inside out, God at work in you for his name, for his glory, that he might be able to use you for every good work, for every good work, for how many good works? Yeah, every good work. There is nothing that God cannot do with you. 
in due time, in the right way, putting you in the right place, he might through his power unleash through you, please hear me, how many times did I say him and not you, right? That he'll unleash through you his glory. That's what it's all about, is you humbly, repentantly, asking God to have your soul in mind as he cleanses, and then you just watch what he's willing to do through you as you faithfully go where he's offered, where he's made available, where he's led, and you just faithfully serve. To God be the glory. Be a vessel of honorable use, not of dishonorable, for every good work. It's a chance for us to put our actions into play. We talked about words. This is actions. And so last week was this huge celebration of baptisms. I mean, I love baptism services. So uh, was last week not awesome? Man, on fire. Yeah, man, man. You know what? I love baptism services because you keep hearing these words. God is good. And and without him, I'd have nothing. Uh, The end. Can I please be baptized? That's a baptism testimony. And what last week we had 40 or 41, I don't even know what the count was, 40. We had five people just come up at the end of two at the first service and three at the second service who said, I didn't sign up, but can I please? And so they talked to elders and made clear of their testimony and came forward and, and were baptized with us. And God was stirring. Last week in this place, we had it on fire for him. As people stood up and said, I want to follow my Christ because I love him. That's why I want to be baptized. Because I want to show him that I'm with him. And I want others to know it. And praise be to God. So what comes after baptism? Uh, Welcome to this week. Right? Prepare to be holy. And I'm telling you, this is not some humanistic endeavor where you go out and try to do it right. Okay, and and at the end of each day, you're like, oh, why did I do that again? And like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking like, God, you've got my heart and Lord, reveal to me your glory. We just heard the song. Show me your glory. Lord, I want to stand in your glory and bask in your glory. And may you change me. And as I'm transformed from one degree of glory to another, God's now enabled you to go after that much more holiness. Are you hearing it? And now you run to fill that gap in cooperation with him. Hey, that's what sanctification looks like. God's doing a transforming work and you run to fill the gap right up to where he's working. And then he reveals the next and you run to fill that gap. That's God at work in your life that he might actually get the greater glory. Let him change you and then do your best as the scripture says cooperating with him that God might get the greater glory so question how are you thinking like what are the things you think about on a daily basis are they things that are positive things that are God honoring or are they tearing down because I'm telling you how you think is how you will talk how you think and talk is how you will act it's going to unfold before you and, and, and the very thinking of your soul is going to lead to your actions, which will lead to your feelings. That's how the system works. All too often, too many people say, well, that's just not how I feel right now. I'm really not wanting to get in. Yeah, that's so we talk about it as the engine in the caboose, right? So thinking it's the lead. 
And, and then acting, that's the second piece to the train. That's engine in the middle and the caboose. The thing that follows is your feelings. Grab the front of that train and start moving it in the right direction. You'll be amazed where your feelings go. Watch God stir. I'm telling you, it takes some conviction and it takes some movement on your part. But God will move. And you will never want to serve him more than when you're already serving him. And sitting on the sideline, isolated and quiet and and, and really, quite frankly, stagnant. and, And then you're measuring your feelings. I don't know. I don't really feel it. Not really feeling it. Well, the real question is, are you hearing it? Then do it. Let's not be hearers of the word. Let's be doers also. And as we step out doing what he calls us to do, I'm telling you, you will see your feelings roar up in passion for Christ. Forget the feelings, man. They're emotional tagalongs. All right. I want to know if you know what you should be doing and are you willing to do it? That's where we need to be going, that God might get the greater glory. It's time to put our hearing into action. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to be done with some of that, and I'm on with some of this for your glory. So what is it you need to be letting go of, and what is it you're going to grab onto? Do not entertain the things that are against God. Do not entertain the things that are against God. Go after the things that are all for him. You're going to be amazed at what it does to your whole life of joy and passion. All right. So that was the second one. So the first is words. The second is action. And the third, it's really your desires. Flee youthful passions and partner with others to pursue righteousness. Flee youthful passions and partner with others to pursue righteousness. So verse 22 here, it says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Huh. That's kind of obvious, isn't it? Flee youthful fashions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. That's what it's all about. You want to know where you should be headed, what it should look like with desires? Make sure you're avoiding one thing and going after another, all right? So flee youthful passions. Flee, it means to run, to run away. Okay, that's flee youthful passions. I keep getting tempted the same way every day. Don't go where you're going. The same spot, the same thing every day, and I always fall in, well, whoever you're with and wherever you are, you need to stop being there. Okay? Flee youthful passions. Be done with it. Youthful passions. Why does it say it that way? Was it like as you get older, you lose passions? And uh, no, the implication here is that it's a, it's a longing of the body. It's a panging that our physical flesh has and, and you tend to have self-control the younger you are. That's what he's basically saying. We learn to have self-control. We grow into self-control. It's a godly given uh, gift from the Holy Spirit. His presence, is it's a fruit of his as it pours out on us, is us being able to say, yeah, I might feel that pang, but I'm not responding to it. And, and if it's going to be too large, then I'm running from it. And that's what it looks like. It's put up healthy fence lines. So you keep away from the stuff that's uh, damaging. And when you get uh, into a spot that's going to possibly trip you, run the end. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation given you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond that you are able. 
And with that temptation, he's going to provide for you a way to escape, flee. Look for that door, man. Look for the exit sign. It is on bright red. Find it and hit it. That's what he's saying. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. That's like God's character. Uh, Faith, trusting him. Love, that's others first. Peace, uh, calm despite the circumstances. Pursue those things, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I'm trying, and I just keep finding myself tripping, and is there a plan that I could go through with this that would work a little better? And yeah, it says, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Lock arms with others who have the same plan. Be careful who you hang with. They can drag you down or lift you up. Find people as friends who you can trust in to be running where you're running. I say this to my daughters all the time. There's friends and then there's ministry. Ministry is those who are hurting. You never, ever depend on them to give you strength. You don't know where they're living. It's not wrong to be with them and care for them at times, but that's ministry. Friends, that's a different spot. That's somebody who's calling upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart, with the same passion. We're locking arms together and we're running together after it. To God be the glory. Hey, I don't know if I could come up with a better description for impact groups than verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Impact groups. Are you hearing it? Like locked together in our groups. We call them impact groups. For those who are new here, those are small groups for us. Impact groups. This is what it's all about. It's pursuing righteousness and faith and love and peace with those who have agreed to do the same, that God might get the greater glory. Locking arm in arm, Lord, change me. I'm done with it. Let's go after this. Impact groups. That's what we're about. If you're not in one, you need to be in one. Get in an impact group. Talk to Pastor Mike. We need to see you plugged in if this is going to go down. I'm telling you, there is no greater way to plug in to seeing God changing our life than to be in this plan. You know, I'm just going to stop here for a moment. And uh, I wasn't sure if I'd tell the story, but I'm going to. So uh, my wife and I, we're leading, we're leading an impact group right now. Uh, it's a bunch of uh, young marrieds, and we're excited about it. It's been great. We started it up in June, and uh, the thing's been rocking. We got a, a ton of people going there, and it's been exciting to see this going on. Um, uh, the numbers are yeah, we're at 42 now, so that's a little ridiculous. So it's like an impact uh, service. I don't know. <laughs> so we're looking to be getting a couple other people to help us lead, and we've already got one couple who's jumped in with us, and it's been awesome to see that, and we're kind of figuring out what we're doing next. But the challenge is, Lord, please change all of us. And so just a little bit of stories for you. So when we were talking through the giving uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, I had two different people come to me in this impact group and go, all right, we need to talk. Uh, one guy, I'm not giving, and I need to be. And another one, I am giving, and, and, but my wife and I don't agree on it, and we need to get to a better agreement, and we need to be moving on things, and, and several others going, yeah, amen to that. We need to get some agreement on our giving, and, and by the end of it, this whole group is like, we're going to give better, and, and we got to figure that out, and, and 
And then the serving thing we had talked about. And uh, so by the end of that night, we had somebody who had signed up to be in uh, doing um, some security team stuff and some doing uh, some ushering stuff. I mean, it's just been neat to see the people unfolding. I just got an email this last week from somebody saying, hey, I'm in. I need to be serving and I don't know where. Tell me where and I'm going. Like impact groups. We need to be locking arms with each other and hearing what's going on and what the challenges are and then responding. Like, that's all it is. And I'm sitting there hearing the stories of the lives of these guys, and, and I'm telling you, I'm stirred. And then by the end of it, I'm in tears hearing what's going on as they're taking on challenge and saying that you might get the greater glory, God. And I'm sitting there going, wow. Like, God, you're moving. And I'm, I'm in awe. As we sat and talked about where we're headed with the group, and we still got a lot of decisions to make about uh, with the size and whatnot. It's just awesome to know this. God meets us where we are, and he takes us a step further. Amen? Impact groups. You don't want to miss out. You want to be in a Man, is that enough cell, Mike? Yeah, get ready to sign them up. All right. Yeah, so uh, I'm telling you, I walked across this verse this week, and it just stunned me what it really said. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Here we go with your lips again. You know that they breed quarrels. Please stop the fighting and the battling over unprovable doctrine and theology. That's all an extension of connecting dots. Can I be clear enough? Don't go there. All right. It says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Don't be quarrelsome. Be kind to everyone. You're longing to reach out to take care of people. You're able to teach This is a challenge to Timothy. Be able to teach. It means some of you. It doesn't mean everybody needs to be teaching. This specifically is to Timothy. But it's saying, hey, be ready to stand up and share the truth of God's word that people might be changed. Patiently enduring evil. That's always fun. Can you imagine that call? Patiently enduring evil. He didn't say patiently enduring some troubled times. He's saying endure evil. There's times where you're going to take a hit. Take it for the kingdom patiently because God's working in people's lives and you're longing to see them change. Be there with them that God might get the greater glory. Connecting uh, or correcting his opponents with gentleness. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Darn. Isn't it always fun to actually correct your opponents with aggressive venom? And a, thus saith the Lord. Right and now with gentleness. Uh, what does gentleness mean? It means I'm more interested in your healing than in hurting you. I want to help you heal, not help you hurt. Okay, with gentleness. God may her perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses. I love that and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. God willing, people will come to know Christ through your love of following him. God willing, you will be a beacon of hope and light as you long for him and run for him with all you've got. I just put it this way. Lack arms, focus, long for healing within you, and then reach out. That's the Bible plan that God might get the greater glory. Lack arms, focus, long for healing in you, and then reach out. Here's my simple question. I need an answer, for real. Are you in? 
I mean, are you all in? And this is a big deal because as you go home today and you're all in and then somebody didn't make lunch that was supposed to or somebody didn't buy something at the store who was supposed to or somebody didn't get the car filled with gas like they were supposed to or do you know what I'm saying? Every little thing that comes up and then there's a decision to be made and who's going to be honored in this that God might get the greater glory. My question is, are you in? And so now I need to hear you say, all in. And I'm going to ask, are you in? in. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about making decisions in every moment that God might get the greater glory, that he might change us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, have your way with me. God, transform me that you might get the greater glory. I love you, Lord. You are have my attention. Praise be to God. Let's pray.